I'd rather have angry Justin Bieber fans than angry hockey fans. Oh, speaking of just happy to be here, how about those Canadian teams in the playoffs, huh? When Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, that was like peak hate of the Warriors for me. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to part three of the rise and fall of Saxonville. Today, we're talking about the fall. Um, but before that, I'm your co-host, Playoff Lenny. And today, I'm joined by my co-host, Regular Season Lenny. How are you doing today, Jared? Oh, I thought I was going to be Playoff Blake. <laughs> I should have made you Playoff Blake. Dang I was it. so ready to be Blake Bortles. <laughs> no one else has ever said that before. Yikes, even Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding we, Blake, we love you. We love Blake Bortles on this show. We love Blake. Um, we call him by his first name because we know him so yeah, well. Yeah, we're, we're so close with him. Uh, yeah, part three of the rise and fall of Saxonville. Uh, if you're a Jags fan, disclaimer, it's not going to be fun for you from here on out. And if you're a Patriots fan, and we know at least one of those is listening, you're going to enjoy this one. A little bit because we're going to start this episode by talking about the AFC championship game at New England. That's where Jacksonville found themselves after beating the Steelers in the divisional round in an amazing upset that we talked about on the last episode. If you haven't listened up to this point, be sure to listen to part one and two where we talk about the team getting formed and then their incredible run through the 2017 season. We ended right here at the AFC championship against the the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah. yeah. So to set that feeling right now, Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the precipice of the biggest game of franchise history. Um, going up against multi-Super Bowl winning legend incarnate Tom Brady. Buccaneers legend Tom Brady. Buccaneers legend. Uh, not at that point yet. Not yet, but he'll get there. <laughs> um, and we all know Tom Brady's pedigree. Yeah, we Blake, don't really need to break down uh, what Brady had accomplished up to this point. He was the, the Patriots were definitely favored in this game. Yes. Yeah. Jacksonville entered this game as a 10 point underdog. And what's incredible about this game is that Blake Bortles went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. He played just as well. Yeah, once again, like we talked about in the Pittsburgh game on the last one, uh, none of his numbers really jumped off the page, but no interceptions again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just clutch out of Blake Bortles, um, and not what I think a lot of people expect when they hear his name, but he had zero interceptions, and that's what allowed his offense to to really – match Brady's blow for blow and actually outplay Brady's team for, I would say 50 minutes of this game. Yeah. I remember watching this game and just being in awe of how well Blake Bortles played. Cause again, watching him up to that point, he had some good games, but he is, he had also had a lot of bad games again. He inconsistent for sure is inconsistent. Yeah. But he played well and 
he led the Jags to, you know, a really good position in that game. Yeah, but, they were, and so did the defense. The Jags defense, who we've talked about at length, uh, held the Patriots just 46 rushing yards in this game. The, the Patriots rushing game was just not there. It was non-existent, quite frankly. Um, and with about 14 minutes to play, in this game, it looked like Jacksonville had put the nail in the coffin. Miles uh, mm-hmm. Jack recovered a fumble while the Jags were up 20 to 10. This was under 14 minutes to play. Um, and he picked it up and had a wide open shot at the end zone for a touchdown. He, he looked like he was going to run it all the way back, put the team up by 17. But the referees blew the whistle and said he was down by contact when he recovered the ball. Um I've seen the replay of it several times. He probably was, quite frankly, because the NFL's down by contact rules are a lot different um, than college footballs. But regardless, he got the Jags the ball back, and nine times out of ten, that would have been enough to put the game away. However, Jacksonville kind of strayed away from what they had done to get to this point. Um, they got too conservative. They, before they knew it, they had a three and out, um, had to go back on defense, but still, even then Marcel Darius, who, you know, we mentioned last time came in to the Jags halfway through this season, sacked Brady in a big spot and set up a third and 18 with just about 10 minutes to go in this game. And then it started to happen. Yeah. As we've seen time and time again, when you play the Patriots, when you play Bill Belichick, things tend to go wrong. Yeah, if you don't if you don't play a perfect game for 60 minutes, not 50, uh, the Patriots can make you pay, and they absolutely did here on that third and 18. Brady found Danny Amendola over the middle for 21 yards, set up a first down. Four plays later, he hit Amendola again. For a nine-yard touchdown, uh-oh, here they are. New England's right back in at 17-20. to 20. Um, The Jags still can't do anything on offense. They give the ball back. And what happens? Brady brings them down again. Amendola again catches a touchdown, a toe tapper in the back of the end zone. And with less than three minutes left, suddenly Jacksonville's trailing 24-20. to 20. And we've seen this story before. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, kind of just ends the Jacksonville run. Um, to be fair, they didn't go out with a whimper. They went out the best they could, obviously short of the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Jags can't convert the fourth down that they need. Yeah. The Patriots get the ball back. The rest and is history. The fat lady sings. We were robbed of what could have been a Jags Eagles Super Bowl. Yeah. To be fair, the Jags died so that the Eagles could live. So that Nick Foles, another name we'll get back to in a bit. Yeah. Could have his shining moment. But the And yeah. arguably that's one of the better Super Bowls in recent memory. Yeah. If not the best in recent memory. And who knows what it would have been like if it had been Saxonville in that Super Bowl instead of New England. Uh, what kind of game that would have been for Nick Foles, for the Eagles offensive line. Who knows? It's all left to speculation now because 
like I said, if you're going to play New England, you have to play them perfectly when Belichick's the coach. And the Jags didn't do that for the full 60 minutes, and it fell apart. And their entire Cinderella run came crumbling down in the AFC Championship. Yep, the chariot turned back into the pumpkin. Yes, sir, it did. And that was uh, just the beginning of the end, really, for Jacksonville. Because there was still, as disappointing as that loss was, going into that 2018 offseason, there was still a lot of hope around Jacksonville. Like, man, we just had the best season we've had in years. Um, we got we got this close to the Super Bowl. We're right there. If we could just keep this group together, there's no telling where we can go from here. Um, and there was, there was a lot of Jags fans who were really on top of the world at this point. Um, and they had every reason to be. Yeah. As a fan, you got to think like, man, we were within spitting distance of a Super Bowl. We've still got most of that team. We can do that again. Yes. Um, but then the dreadful 2018 offseason happens. And it's an offseason that's a soap opera in a lot of ways with all the drama that went on off the field. Uh, we'll start to see guys one by one leave this team for various reasons. And this is what really is kind of the unraveling of Saxonville as we know it. But the first one I would point to is actually on the offensive side of the ball is Allen Robinson, who didn't play much of that 17, 2017 season just because he had a torn ACL. Uh, but he was one of the best receivers at the time. And the Jags chose not to franchise tag him. Which Yeah, this is, this is one of several kind of strange moves that the Jag the Jags make during this time. Yeah, it's one that's a head scratcher for sure. And Robinson, of course, as we know, has since ended up on the bears and it's kind of been their only bright spot lately. But um, yeah, Robinson was a big part of that Jags team. Um, and who knows what things would have been like if he had been healthy all season too, but yeah, they opted not to keep him around. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, Paul Plazinski, their heart and soul linebacker, team captain, uh, retired. And that's something that's kind of really out of everyone's control. You can't do much about that. The guy had put in a really good long career. And um, so he, he left, he was gone. And then uh, we'll get to it a little later, but they lose some more guys as well. Yeah. And when you go from having a defense known as Saxonville and when pieces for these pieces start falling off, um, you've got to, you know, as a fan, you start to get that little, little seat of dread forming in your, in your heart. You now know things are not going to be the same. Yeah. And boy, howdy were things not the same. Well, and then the drama starts in the summer of 2018 too, because in August that year, um, I don't remember if you remember when this happened. I kind of do, but Dante Fowler Jr. and Yannick Ngakwe kind of got into it at practice one day. Uh, and a video surfaced of them kind of yelling at each other, getting in each other's faces. And then Ramsey got involved and he started yelling at the media. He said, Stop recording that stuff. He didn't say stuff, but uh, he yelled. I'm, I'm shocked that he didn't censor himself. Yeah, he did not. Uh, surprisingly enough, he yelled at the media as they left the field and it was kind of, he later took to Twitter in one of his many questionable social media decisions. 
uh, and said something about it and ended it with the hashtag lame ass reporters. Uh, so he kind of waged a war on the local media down there in Jacksonville. And uh, it's kind of started the show that, hey, maybe all is not well in Saxonville. And maybe this, maybe the collapse in the year before in the AFC championship had kind of gotten to him a little more than they let on initially. Mm-hmm. Um, that fight led to Fowler and Ramsey each being suspended by the team for one week. Yeah. And then Ramsey added to the craziness of that off season when GQ published an article, they did an interview with him and got his unfiltered thoughts on a lot of opposing quarterbacks from around the league. And he didn't hold back. He's, he's called Josh Allen trash, which bad take, by the way, yeah. um, he called Josh Allen trash. He said, Matt Ryan is overrated. He attributed Eli Manning's success essentially to Odell Beckham. He kind of did the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. He really Mm. kind of let a lot of the league have it. And that's all well and good, but it's not necessarily a great look for your team. Yeah. And I think this speaks especially to, especially at this time, Jalen Ramsey's immaturity. And we see this with a lot of NFL players. They get in, they get that initial payday. They, you know, especially if they're good, they get that that swagger, that clout. And uh, some of them, you know, get a little big for their britches. And I think Jalen Ramsey really got big for his britches and it yeah, bit he, Jacksonville in the butt. He was only two years in at this point, right? So he had essentially yeah. just got done with what was a sophomore season. And he was really good, one of the best, but... I don't know if it's even if you're a 10 year player and ever a good idea to, to say stuff like that and just go through the list of your opposition and just call them out like that. That's not ever a wise move in my opinion. Um, But through all of the drama, the 2018 season does start and the Jags do kind of pick up where they left off the year before. Actually, they started three and one. And in that three game uh, or in those three wins, one of them was over New England, who they just lost to in the in the AFC Championship. And they had kind of said things after that that win over the Patriots, like we always knew we were better. You know, it was just a fluke last year, and still a lot yeah. of trash talking going on. But they were three and one to start the season. But then after that, it uh, it started to go downhill in a hurry. Yeah, and it was interesting watching that that those initial four games because I remember thinking like, wow, these guys are going to make a run again. Um, that of course, like you just said, turns out to be false, but they, they looked initially very bright. They looked like they were picking up, but then we get into that week five game versus the chiefs. And, you know, I think the biggest stat line that we need to look at is Bortles turnovers. He turned the ball over five times. Yeah, I mean, we just got done ranting and raving about how well he did in the playoffs the year before, not throwing interceptions and not turning it over and that being the difference maker. Well, when you turn the ball over five times in a single game, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose that game. Yeah. Um, and just looking at, you know, Bortles' turnover ratios or the team's turnover ratios, you know, in this in this season – in those first four games, they they had seven. 
And in the next two games after that, against the Chiefs and the Cowboys, they had 7-0 as well. Yeah. These two games especially were bad. And I think they kind of spelled disaster for the rest of the season. Well, and then the seeds of uh, discontent start getting sowed. We can see it with, once again, Jalen Ramsey takes to Twitter um, in the middle of this seven-game losing streak that Jacksonville ended up on, and he tweets, when I'm gone, y'all are going to miss me. So it kind of shows that he's already not happy where he is. Uh, It's all great when you're winning, but when you start to lose – not all is well and good. And Ramsey clearly started to want out at that point. Uh, that had to not be a great thing for Jags fans to see uh, is their defensive star saying stuff like that. Um, and then more drama ensues when they lose to the bills and Leonard Fournette gets in a fight with the bills is Shaq Lawson. He got suspended and Tom Coughlin decided because of that he was going to void the remaining guaranteed money in Fournette's contract. Yeah. Um, and anything with guaranteed money, if you mess with it, you know, players not going to be happy. Yeah. And Fournette certainly wasn't. And will that'll come into play later. So 2018 was a big disappointment, all things considered after uh, how well 2017 had gone. The Jags ended up losing 10 of their last 12 games. They finished the season just five and 11, kind of back to where they were uh, just a few years prior. And Jags fans kind of had to be thinking, oh boy, here we go again. Um, but Shad Khan, who I kind of alluded to earlier in this series, is a different kind of owner and the fact that he has a lot of trust in his employees. And he said after that 2018 season that he still believed in Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin running the ship here and he wanted them to stay together. So he wasn't going to fire anybody. Yeah. And with Shad Khan wanting to keep Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin, uh, he was kind of indicating, at least in my opinion, that he thought that this losing season was more of a, you know, just a slump. You know, they got as far as they've ever been as a team. And this is kind of a slump, you know. They're trying to get back in the groove again. Tom Coughlin, this is only his, you know, second full year with the team um, because he came in that 2016 year halfway through the season. And, you know, Shad Khan, like you said, is a bit of a different owner that he really shows or tries to give his coaches – and staff, you know, a little bit of leeway. Benefit of the doubt, for sure. Benefit um, of the doubt, yeah. So he he thought this was a fluke, you know, and he, he really didn't see anything that couldn't be corrected after the 2018 season, so he didn't fire anybody. Um, but the Jags, there's discontent, and they start to lose more people. Um, after that 2018 season, they cut Malik Jackson, a guy we had talked about earlier, who was integral on that 2017 defense. But then who comes bowling through the door with the Super Bowl hero himself from that very same 2017 season, Nick Foles, and the Jags opted to hand him a $88 million contract Mm -hmm. um, because Nick Foles' fever was still kind of a thing in the NFL at this time. And, of course, that meant that that was it for Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, and he was out not long after. So now Nick Foles is the guy, Bortles is out, 
Um, that's another head scratcher decision that we can look back on with <laughs> 2020 well, hindsight and question. And I think a lot of people thought the head scratcher decision was keeping Bortles for as long as they did. Um, because there was already doubts in his abilities, you know, going into 2017. And then he kind of proved himself. But when he started to falter, I remember a lot of reporters and a lot of news outlets going, why are they rolling with this guy? Uh, you know, swallow, you know, the cap hit, get rid of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nick Foles had showed himself that he could win a Super Bowl. And then that year prior, um, you know, he again led the Eagles deep into the playoffs. Yeah, he led them through the playoffs to the Super Bowl. So, because Wentz well, got hurt. Well, when the Jags signed him. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. won the Super Bowl, and then the year after, he led them deep into the playoffs again. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, Nick Foles comes over to Jacksonville, uh, but then more drama, more off-the-field drama happens that summer when voluntary workouts come around. Uh, and to be fair, they are voluntary workouts, but both Jalen Ramsey and uh, Telvin Smith skipped. They didn't show up, and Coughlin was not happy about that. And he actually – uh, voiced his displeasure and the NFL even stepped in and said, Hey, uh, these are voluntary workouts. You need to be careful of your comments on your players when it regards this stuff, they don't have to be here. Um, so Coughlin runs a different kind of ship. We've heard, you know, testimony from giants players back in the day, you had him as a coach. Not everyone was a fan of playing under him. Um, and this is where he started to create some friction between himself and the office and the players. Uh, and that's something that's going to, play in big into all of this as well. Uh, and shortly after that, Telvin Smith stepped away from the team for personal reasons, and he really didn't even inform them first. Yeah, Telvin Smith stepping away, and the the friction that's starting with Coughlin here is the threads of the team just unraveling. You start to see during the regular season, you know, the fraying, you know, Jalen Ramsey having his, you know, his off-the-field issues, let's say, his his – drama the losing the sign the new quarterback things are starting to fray things are starting to sh change and this is just you know full-on unraveling yeah uh and then ramsey took to social media again that off season uh after he skipped he basically said they know why i'm not there he said i'm gonna ask for so much money uh talking about an extension that he wanted he said i'm gonna ask for so much money they're gonna have to put me on layaway and the Jags dug their heels in and they did not offer him that extension. So Ramsey was very unhappy at this point. Yeah. Um, and we see this still today with players. We saw it a little bit with Kyler Murray this past off season, but players will, you know, make a stink on social media for one of two reasons. Generally, either they're trying to get, you know, a little bit of leverage for their agent to get them a better contract when contract time comes around, or they are unhappy and they want to trade. And that was definitely the case here with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, since that, you know, first initial treat, you're all going to miss me when I'm gone. You know, he kept chirping and, you know. Yeah. He didn't shy away from this. I mean, yeah. he, <laughs> he came right out and said, said it. And yeah. Uh, and he basically he wanted to price the, jags out of you know keeping him yeah yeah for sure but he he did end up playing to start that 2019 season when the time rolled around and 
you know, he wasn't the only one that kind of held or held out or voiced his displeasure. Yannick Ngakwe held out of training camp for similar reasons too that mm-hmm. summer. But when the 2019 season started, uh, just bad luck hit the Jags. In week one, Foles broke his clavicle when they were playing Can- Kansas City. So all that yeah. money for your new quarterback, and he gets hurt right off the bat. Um, week two, more drama, more Jalen Ramsey drama. He got into a sideline altercation with Doug Marone. And the very next day, a report leaked that he wanted a trade. Uh, he blamed the front office, not his teammates and not the fans. He said, I'm very happy with the teammates and the fans. This has everything to do with the front office. Um, and then just a few weeks later, he got what he wanted and he was traded to the Rams where he still is today. Yeah. And this led to the rise too. Once Nick Foles was out, the Jags brought in Minshew, which arguably after that, you know, stellar 2017 season is one of the few bright spots the Jags really had is Minshew mania. Yeah. But yeah, Ramsey leading to the Rams and we know how that worked out. You know, he found a lot of success. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did just won a Super Bowl as we've talked about. Yeah. Um, but I would say the, the most damning thing from the 2019 season, and we talked, we've talked about this on the show a little bit before I remember bringing it up um, was with the Jags requiring their own players to use team facilities for their rehab and medical needs. Um, mm-hmm. Dante Fowler, for instance, refused to do that. And he was fined 25 times uh, for a total of over $700,000 for missing what they call mandatory appointments with team trainers, which is ridiculous. Um, we've talked about this on the show that the Jags took some serious heat for doing that. And rightfully so the NFLPA actually released a statement around this time. Uh, and I'll read it to you in its entirety here. It says, Jaguar players continue to be at odds with Jaguar management. U.S. players may want to consider this when you have a chance to select your next club. That is huge. It was essentially the NFLPA throwing an entire team under the bus saying, really think before you sign with these guys, because look at all the problems that the front office is having with the players here. That's really bad. I remember when this kind of came out and, you know, that – people were really starting to realize, oh, you know, the behind the scenes of the Jaguars is really bad. There's reasons why, you know, they've fallen from grace. And, you know, people kind of going like, oh, man, maybe Jalen Ramsey was on to something. Yeah, for sure. And Coughlin left, uh, departed with the team just days later after all this because he was a big Mm -hmm. instigator in that whole you have to use – our doctors and our team facilities. Um, yeah. And 2019 was much of the same. The Jags ended up going six and 10. Yep. And during this, you know, during this stretch, Marcel Darius was released. Um, Clayus Campbell was traded to Baltimore for a fifth round pick. AJ Boyu, AJ Boye was traded. Yannick Ngakwe. Um, he wanted out as kind of was alluded to when he, uh, uh, held out of training camp, but he also got in a Twitter feud with Khan's son um, about franchise tra- tagging him. He eventually did get his trade to Minnesota that he wanted. And then the Jags waived Fournette uh, the day after. 
So basically the Jags went into fire sale mode and they got rid of basically everybody that was left from the 2017 season. Yeah. Yeah. The entire core of that, that Saxonville team gone now, just gone for to various places for various reasons. A lot of it has to do with discontent with the front office and 2020 Jacksonville had their worst season in franchise history. They went one in 15 and that was, um, I don't know. We could say the lowest of the low, but it didn't go up right away either after that either. We'll get to that in the, the fourth episode, the last one. But um, yeah, after that one in 15 campaign, Doug Marone was fired and uh Oh, do I hear evil boss music on the horizon? Is that urban Meyer? <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the quick and dirty of the, the fall, you know, from that AFC championship to just two years later, it's amazing how quickly this team unraveled. Yeah. And typically when you have a very successful team, you don't expect all those players to stay around for every, for forever, but to have such a quick turnaround as you see with the Jaguars is really unusual. And it really does speak to the fact that the Jaguars were not in a good place. They were not a healthy team, so to speak, from the inside out. They were a talented team, but the personalities on that team and in the front office, it, they were not as stable of a team as you would have liked to believe. Yeah. And just, it ended up being, as we've kind of lined out, you know, all these compounding issues, the front office, the coaching, the, the big personalities from the players led to, you know, the 2017 team completely being dismantled in two years. And, and when you think about it, it's, it's truly, it's not just the players. It's also the front office. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and the fans sadly were the victims in all of it. Jake's fans went through a roller coaster over the, the last few years because of this and being so close and then falling apart like this. Usually when this happens to a team, they at least get a ring out of it. Right. When the Seahawks fell apart, after the Legion of Boom days and all of that hit the fan the way it did, we at least got a Super Bowl out of that. Um, and your Bucks have been special in really avoiding that, quite frankly, after mm-hmm. their championship run. But the Jags didn't even get their title out of it. Um, so it's it, no, and that's and that is really the sad part. Uh, yeah, it was for, rough. Yeah, because the fans, it's not their fault. No, nope. they're there to support the team. Nope. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the fall. That's Saxonville's undoing. Um, but there is one more episode in this series. There is. And before we wrap this one up, I do want to take this a little bit away from, you know, the straight facts reporting that we've been doing to ask you a little bit of a hypothetical, which as, as both of us doing history, no, you're never supposed to theorize and do hypotheticals, (laughs) but do you think, in your personal opinion, that this could have been avoided. Mm. What could the Jaguars have done with what they had to, to prevent this, to keep Saxonville alive? I would, I don't know if this could have entirely been avoided. I think with personalities like Jalen Ramsey, some of this was inevitable. Um, You know, he's a guy that wants to win and he wants to win right now. And things are all great in LA right now because the Rams 
did just win the Super Bowl. So I think eventually you would have lost a guy like Jalen Ramsey anyway. Uh, but there are definitely some things that didn't have to go down the way they did. Uh, Coughlin issuing the whole, you have to use our team facilities thing was absolutely ridiculous. It created unnecessary tension, um, which, like I said, resulted in the NFLPA releasing that statement. So that didn't have to happen. Um, you know, I'm not going to fault the team for making money decisions that they thought at the time were in the best interest of the team. Cause we see that in all sports everywhere. Uh, hindsight's 2020 with that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think this was entirely avoidable, but I do, if we want to get to like that X's and O's of a football game, talking about that AFC championship. Yes. I think the Jags could have, if they were just a little bit smarter, uh, in those last 10 minutes, won that game, gone to the Super Bowl, and who knows how that changes the entire complexion of that 2018 offseason. Fair enough. I. What do you think, though? I, I agree. I think, you know, if they had stuck with their more aggressive play calling, you know, there's a real chance that they would have gone to the Super Bowl. And against the Eagles, who knows? I mean, could have won that. Could have been a crapshoot with Nick Foles at quarterback. I mean, obviously he did enough against the Patriots to win that game, but the Patriots defense was not Saxonville that year. And no. uh, yeah, it, you know, like you said, it, it doesn't do any good to speculate on what can we'll never know now, but it is an interesting thought experiment because uh, even if you get to the Super Bowl, even if you don't win it, I think the the feeling around the 2018 offseason from a player's perspective maybe is a little different than it was after losing the way they lost to new England. So I, that's where I think it all kind of started, but I think a lot of this was unavoidable um, just with the personalities they had. Mm -hmm. That's how I'll answer that one. Fair but, enough. Uh, we have one episode left in this series. We want to thank you guys for tuning in again for part three, uh, probably our longest episode yet in the series. There's lots of talk about in this one uh, in the falling apart, but we hope you guys have enjoyed it this far. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening to us. Uh, it, you know, it's a slow time of year, so we wanted to, to put this together for you guys. And we hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as we've enjoyed talking about it. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter, on Instagram at the expansion BU one, be sure to check us out next week, wherever you listen from uh, for part four, the final part of this whole series. But until then I've been Jared. That's been Justin, and never forget. Party Legacy 1976.